Welcome everyone to a new episode of Movies and Brews. I'm your host Jordan. With me as always is my excellent co-host Daniel. And we're rocking as hell today in the 90s. That's right. Today we'll be reviewing the new movie Mid-90s. So sit back, relax, grab a drink. Let's go back to a time when grunge rock ruled and people had these things called CDs on their shelf. Cheers. Cheers. to our movie of the day we're gonna kick things off with some movie news take it away daniel all right so i have a lot of good stuff this week first on the docket is johnny depp is no longer going to be in pirates of the caribbean and i guess the reason why is disney is well the last Pirates of the caribbean was the least well received it made the least amount of money is all of them they've made a lot of money over the years so what is happening is i guess johnny depp is out and disney is gearing up for a reboot hold on hold on let me just interfere a little bit here are, are you telling me they're gonna reboot this entire series is there even an audience for this stuff anymore i don't know i watched the first three enjoyed only the first two and i haven't seen one since yeah i've only seen the first two they were decent. I loved Depp in that role, but you know, if they want to go a different direction with that Depp, I'm actually cool with that. I mean, it's it's fine, but I just I just don't think there's an audience for pirate movies anymore. I think it had its time and place in the early 2000s, and I think we've moved on. I know the weird thing is like there wasn't an audience for pirate movies until they made a pirate movie. So, but they've they've had like 10 years of this franchise. I don't think it needs a reboot. I think we just need to move on to something else. I mean. Let's face it, I, I could already see Melissa McCarthy being cast as a pirate and calling it right now. She's going to fall off a uh, diving board, or not diving board, a, uh, plank. a plank. Oh yeah, calling it now. You heard it here first. Yeah, I hope not. I just hope, they just don't need to reboot it. They just need to move on to something else. They have a, they can reboot something else that's been dormant for longer than two years. There's this little movie called Tron 3 Disney that still needs to be made. You should probably, uh bring that back from the dead and get going on that please do and still get daft punk to do the soundtrack please oh yeah that was that would be awesome all right so now the second piece of movie news is ridley scott is talking about making a sequel to his gladiator movie starring russell crowe and joaquin phoenix hmm i'm not sure how i feel about that because the main character, everyone dies at the end, so... Spo- spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> it's an 18-year-old movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I mean, but we I just saw The Shining for the first time, so... Nah, that's all right. Um, but, ah, I... So, did they say what the story would be, or what? Or is this just, like, is this fresh news out there? That's, I just, I just saw the headline, and I was thinking to myself, like, how are they... I mean, okay, I didn't pay a lot of attention to history class. So I don't know how they make a sequel out of this, especially with most of the characters that you followed in the first one are, well, they die. All right, because Max, even Maximus' son is dead, so you can't avenge him. And who's he going to avenge him against? Because um, the Caesar's dead. He's dead, too. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. They kind of wrapped it up pretty well. It's a great movie ending. Sorry for spoiling it. I don't know. I guess it's just one of those we'll see. Yeah, so I, there's that's really all I got is more of a we'll see because I don't need it. Gladiator was awesome, practical effects almost the entire way, and it's just perfect. All right, so the next thing is uh, 
Netflix revealed what Henry Cavill is going to look like in their Netflix uh, produced Witcher series. Oh, really? So they show him. Yeah, they released a little uh, teaser trailer. I'm pulling Um, it up. Yeah, he's walking out of a cave and he's got his Witcher armor on. But there's a couple things to note is Geralt in all of the Witcher games has a ton of scars all over his face and uh, Henry Cavill kind of doesn't have anything so i'm assuming they're going for like pre like uh, dude, games he, he's totally got the gandalf hairstyle going i like it yeah he they kind of made him look like legless right now but this is just a first teaser like kind of like test footage but i'm excited uh the witcher games are awesome they're incredible so i'm excited what they'll do with the tv series on netflix and they might be their game of thrones Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I've heard some stuff about it, and it's so far I'm liking what I hear. Definitely going to check it out when it airs on Netflix. Yeah, and I think that's supposed to air sometime in 2019. It doesn't have an exact date laid out yet. And the next thing I have is in the realm of Netflix as well, is we all kind of were, we were both shocked when Luke Cage and Iron Fist both got canceled recently, especially Iron Fist because the first season wasn't great, but... From what I've heard is the second season made all the improvements and redeemed the character. And people seem to also like Luke Cage, but they both got canceled. Now, actually, I think it was a couple days ago, they released the viewing numbers for Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And turns out they kind of had a good reason to cancel it because between the first and second season of both of those shows, they lost two thirds of their viewers. Jeez. Yeah, for Iron Fist, they lost 64% of the initial viewers, and Luke Cage lost 59%. That's crazy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Iron Fist was okay. I haven't seen the second season yet. Same with Luke Cage, but Luke Cage was pretty legit. I liked that first season a lot. Same. It's really cool, and it has a lot of I'm a looking, lot different tone than the other ones. I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching the second season. This is just kind of a surprise to me, especially the Luke Cage part of it. Yeah, I know. I was surprised that I knew it had to have been pretty decent, but two-thirds. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I'm still hoping for another Defender season, so maybe they'll come back for that. I mean, hopefully Netflix is not done with these characters. Hopefully. I mean, it'd be a nice way to keep them around. I mean, also, maybe, I I hope that this is could be a thing, but, like, combining Luke Cage and Iron Fist into Heroes for Hire, like they do in the comics, because that would be legit. But I don't really think that's something that they're going to go for. But it would be a cool way to bring back both the characters on the same show. You know, cut some costs, I guess. I hope so, because, I mean, I gotta say I'm enjoying this Marvel Netflix stuff more than the Marvel MCU at this moment in time. Especially with Daredevil. Yeah, minus infinity war but other than that i'm definitely yeah especially with daredevil and punisher definitely enjoying this netflix stuff better yeah so hopefully they can figure something out i mean i hope uh jessica jones stay safe and especially daredevil because both of those shows are really awesome and they're uh, i think those are probably my top two but i also haven't seen the punisher yet i'm a bit behind Good. Yeah. Anything else in the news? Uh, the last thing I have is Ewan McGregor, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is in talks to play the Black Mask in the DC Birds of Prey movie. Interesting. So what, what's the... I'm not familiar with that character. Well, Black Mask is essentially like a crime lord who operates in Gotham. And he's very much intertwined with Batman. And he's just kind of like... Uh, I mean, he's, he's essentially like a crime lord that just... Some iterations he wears a black mask, like... And it's just like an actual mask. And some iterations it's just his face that's all 
screwed up so it's just black all around like it's burnt to a char kind of like war paint or it's kind of like it's kind of like an accent like it's like his face is like his skin's completely burned so it's black huh. in some iterations but yeah and it, i i have i know a little bit about the character he's you know he's a crime lord uh he blames like he killed his parents to take over his their uh their family business and then he ruins it but he blames like wayne enterprises for ruining the company instead of his poor decisions so he essentially becomes like an underground like a crime syndicate lord in gotham and you know it happens uh a lot especially like in the under the red hood he has a big part in that dc movie which is awesome pretty cool when is it is birth of prey supposed to come out soon it's the next uh, it's the next DC movie slated to start production. Oh, movie. Okay. Yeah, I was it's thinking a, it's going to be a show on their new streaming service. No, no, no. It's going to be okay. a full movie. It's oh, supposedly... Cool. I read the premise, and it's a little weird because it's supposed to have Harley Quinn reprised by Margot Robbie. Um, Good choice. A hun- Lover. A Huntress, which is kind of like an anti-hero, and they, I don't know the casting for that, and Black Canary, which is a full-blown hero. And apparently, for some reason, they're supposed to be taking like the black mask is doing a bunch of horrible stuff. So they're going to go take him down. I'm not really sure why, because Harley Quinn and Huntress are both bad guys. And while Canary's a good guy, I don't see I, I hope they can flesh out a good motivation for them, because I know Harley Quinn's not bad through and through because they develop her character a lot in the comics but it's just it doesn't make sense to me why the premise that i read is why they'd be trying to stop black mask but hopefully i mean i just saw a little bit of it so there's plenty of stuff to explain Hmm, that sounds pretty interesting yeah so anything else this week uh no that's that's all i got but i got some pretty good stuff yeah i'm gonna just uh before we move on here gonna talk a little bit of personal news here so officially this last week i ended a relationship and started about about 10 months ago like all relationships started out very strong it was going great in the beginning and just awesome for a while then it kind of just died out a little bit and but i'm happy to announce that it's officially over now and i'm talking about my relationship with movie pass i don't know if anybody out there have used movie pass again started out amazing and then it just somewhere along the summer just got dumber and dumber and dumber and i kept trying to give them a chance give them a chance and they just kept letting me down and letting me down repeatedly so i finally had to just say you know what i'm out goodbye see ya and yeah it's officially over Oof. well that's a tough break but hopefully uh another movie program will come along that'll help us out i'm hoping yeah no it was it was good while it lasted i mean it got me i mean i look back we saw a lot we saw a movie a week before we started doing the podcast with movie pass at least once a yeah week. well it was a good excuse to go see all the oscar movies last year a yeah. couple of them twice that were so good but yeah it's just it was time. It was time. I canceled mine about a month or two ago. All right, so you feel my pain. I do. I do. <laughs> but, you know, it just wasn't working out. Like you said, like, they just could hardly see any new movies. But I'm here for your buddy, and uh, we'll get through this together. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been rough. All right, well, why don't we switch gears here and get into our movie of the day. So today we're talking about Mid-90s, which was written and directed by Jonah Hill. Wait, it, he wrote it, too? Yeah, yeah, written and directed by. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, this is a directorial debut. So, yeah, we'll get into, like, what we thought in a second here. But, yeah, mid-90s, essentially, it follows uh, the Stevie, who's a 13-year-old in the 90s-era L.A., who spends a summer navigating between his troubled life at home and a group of new friends that he met at a local skate shop. I, I'll kick off here. I thoroughly enjoyed it, like, 
quite a bit, actually. I saw the trailer, you know, a couple months ago, and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. It kind of looked Dogtown Z-Boy-ish to me, a little bit. As far as Genesis last ago, I enjoyed it. There was part of me, like, halfway through was kind of not into it that much, kind of like, eh, but, but then by the end, it came back around. Um, I guess I was trying to think how to explain that. Did you hit a teenage wasteland in the middle? A little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, and I'm going to say right now, Confession is... I don't pretend to be a 90s kid. I was born in 94, so before I could even remember really anything, 90s was over, 2000s were here. So that's, I kind of experienced the 90s culture from like osmosis from my older siblings because they're 10 years older than me. So they were teenagers in the 90s. So that's how I got all my music. That's because I stole it from them while they were at school all the time and I never got away with it but you know that's how I experienced 90s culture so you know this isn't really like a nostalgic look for me but I still thoroughly enjoyed the movie and how Jordan how do you feel about being your does it make you feel weird that people are now making 90s movies as nostalgia movies instead of like 70s and 80s movies uh maybe a little bit I mean yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, that was kind of my era growing up. I mean, I was born in 83, so, yeah, I was age 7 through 17 in the 90s, which, so I, you know, got to take a lot of it in. But, yeah, it's kind of weird now that that is kind of the era we're going back to. I mean, they just put on Netflix a documentary about the 90s, and it's like, wow, it's we're already that beyond past it that we need a documentary about the 90s now? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, set, this could have been set any time. It just happened to be set in the 90s, and the 90s aren't, like, a huge focus on it. It's kind of in the backdrop. Um, yeah, because it uh, mostly focuses on the friends, the camaraderie, and, like, just growing right. up. The yeah. struggles of growing up and making new friends. And, and that's No, that's exactly what it's about, and that's the kind of story Jonah Hill wanted to tell. He wanted to tell a story about just kids and their friendships, you know, bonding, and things teenagers go through and experience growing up, and he just happened to set it in the 90s. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of nostalgia. I mean, you see him wearing a Street Fighter shirt throughout the movie. Yeah. He plays his Super Nintendo. At one point, he and his brother are playing a PlayStation. So there's definitely, you know, that that sticks out for sure. It was a... I enjoyed it, though. Like, um... Again, like, halfway through the movie, I wasn't really sure I was liking it. I think part of it was, like... And here's how good I think Jonah Hill did directing, writing and directing it, was I was really getting angry at these kids. Like, they were, like, really upsetting me in some ways. Because I guess I just don't like seeing kids behaving like this, doing drugs and drinking such an, at an early age. I just not a fan of it. So it was kind of making me angry a little bit, which was in some ways like, maybe I just don't like this movie. But then you, you think about it, well, no, that's just how, if he's stirring up emotion in me, he's doing a good job then as the director. Yeah. And it's kind of, he does a good job because for a while, these kids are kind of unlikable. Yeah. One thing I'm going <laughs> to say real quick, too, is um, we're probably going to go off the uh, PG level a little bit more into the PG-13 R-rated because, I mean, let's, let's face it, we have a uh, character in this movie called Fuck Shit, so it's probably not going to be much of a censored episode. If you got little young ones and you're listening in the car, I would turn it off and wait till you're not with your kids. Yeah. Sound that's fair? A, that's a good call. <laughs> all right. Just want to make sure. Now that we're all adults here, let's continue. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, we're just jumping into stuff. I mean, we kind of gave the overall impression well, impression of the movie. Let's, um, yeah. I mean, basically you got Stevie. He's 13 years old, lives with his mother and his brother. His mother played by, um, I'm trying to remember her name. 
Catherine Watterson, which she's from Fantastic Beats and Alien Covenant. Uh, I, I enjoyed her. She was she was good in the role. She plays a young single mother. Like she says somewhere in the movie that she had her first one at eighteen. So she's he's eighteen in this. So she's thirty six, obviously. Uh, Lucas Hedge, who we've all seen in the last couple years, he was in Manchester by the Sea, Lady Bird last year, Three Billboards last year. He's got an up and coming film with Julia Roberts. Ben is back. So this kid is just all over the place right now. Uh, he's he's solid though. He his role is smaller in this one. He plays um, the main kid, uh, Stevie's older brother, Ian. Still very good and very emo- Like he brings emotion to his role. Yeah, and let's say he, he's small role, but it's still very effective in what he does in like defining Stevie's struggles in his home life. Oh right, now very effective. I mean, it starts out with them fighting. The whole movie kicks off with like. You see a hallway, then all of a sudden Stevie gets thrown out of a room, smack face into a wall. Yeah, exactly. And that's the movie starting out. So that's pretty crazy. But yeah, so Stevie just, yeah, he's 13. He's an innocent little kid riding his bike all over L.A. And yeah, he just, he sees his kids skateboarding and sees them outside of a skate shop and just kind of gets curious. Like, you know, I kind of want to. Make some new friends, get to know them a little bit. So first thing he's got to do is get a skateboard. So he does. He and that was actually as far as like a scene that stuck out was him learning to ride a skateboard was kind of a f- good moment. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. Kind of maybe just because it's a sports movie set back in the day, but it kind of reminds me of the Sandlot in that aspect where. Uh, oh my God! Why well, can't even think of the guy's Smalls? name? But Smalls, yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Smalls, uh, he's like, hey, I, I want to make some new friends, but I have no idea how to play the game. That they're playing. God, you're, you're, you're so, I didn't even think of that. You're so right, God, and that's one of my favorite movies too. How did I think of that? You're totally right though. It's like, I want to play these kids. All I do is play freaking baseball, so I got to learn how to play baseball, I guess. And that's the same thing with Stevie. He's like, I want to play, hang out with these friends, and. Get to know them. Well, all they do is skateboard. Well, shit, I got to learn how to skateboard. Exactly. <laughs> so, gosh, yeah, I didn't, even put that, I didn't put that together. That's funny. <laughs> but, yes, no, that's essentially what happens in this movie. And, yeah, he uh, he gets his older brother's skateboard. He has to trade in, like, six Nintendo games or Super Nintendo games for it. And he gets his brother's skateboard, learns to play on that. And then, eventually, it comes time to getting a new skateboard. So... Yeah, are there spoilers in this movie? I mean, I, I guess there kind of are. We can save some stuff for spoilery. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple big moments, there's especially at like, the end. Yeah, there's not like big plot twist per se. So, but we'll we'll still put some stuff towards the end for more spoiler territory. Yeah, but yeah, so he he wants to buy a skateboard from the skate shop where his new friends work at. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a scene that kind of stuck out. Is they show him staring down at his mother's drawer and she's got a wad of cash and his brother's standing next to him like come on take it like you gotta do this you're gonna steal some for me and some for you and it's kind of a big moment in a 13 year old's life it's like well it's kind of decide- wrong but I want my skateboard and I want my friends uh, okay fine I'll do it yeah and I'm just like it's kind of that's a it's, it's a morally gray area especially for a 13 year old going through changes you know it's just like starting to get hair in weird places (laughs) exactly and it's just it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just like he's not a bad kid but he's in he's doing things from kid logic still it's just like well sure this might be my mom's money but if i use it i'll make so many new friends yeah i mean that's his motivation right there he wants the friends yeah i mean there's he goes in and meets him it's kind of awkward at first but he they they accept him he first meets him, I guess there's a skate skate place in the back of their shop. 
And that's where he first meets him. Yeah. He's just kind of sitting there with his board and watching them for a while. And then they eventually like start talking to him. I'm trying to think of what the, I'm trying to think how kid is, but he meets him. I guess, um, yeah. I don't know. What are some things that stuck out to you? Things that stuck out to me was essentially just how well he kind of covered the adolescent struggle of making new friends. I mean, like he's 13. Usually a lot of your friends at that age are ones you've known since like you've been in school since like kindergarten, first grade. But like he's 13. He doesn't really have any friends. And it's just like I remember going to a new school in the middle of high school from in junior year. And I felt the same way. Like people have established friend groups like it's hard to break into new friend groups when you're like that age. Because everybody else has known each other for years. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of, yeah, it was kind of weird at first. I'm like, why doesn't he find kids his own age? But I guess they're just the ones he spotted that seemed cool enough. Yeah, because most of these kids, I don't know, what, what do you think they were, 17? I think, yeah, I think uh, fourth grade, I think, was a little bit younger. Not quite as young as Stevie. 16, maybe. Yeah, he's probably like 15. I feel like Ray, so there's, there's what, um... Four characters he meets. He meets Ray, fuck shit, Ruben, and fourth grade. And yeah, I believe the first three are somewhere around 17. Yeah, and I know fourth grade's the youngest out of all of those guys 15, besides Stevie. 16. Yeah. But yeah, so Stevie kind of comes in the group. It's kind of funny because uh, who pulls him aside? Ruben pulls him aside. Yeah. As is kind of an intense talk with him. He's like, he apologizes about something. He's like, oh, sorry. He's like, no, listen, you do not ever apologize. You don't say sorry to anybody. People are going to think you're a faggot if you do that. And, I, and me and the audience, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Just this, is, this is definitely a 90s movie. You're right. That's far. He's like, people are going to think you're a faggot. You don't, you, don't, you don't people go around thinking you're a faggot? You, you, come on. Like, you do not want that. It's like... Damn. I mean, it's just kind of like he was intense with him. Like, listen, pal, like you cannot go around saying this kind of stuff. And like, look, I'm older than you. You need to look up to me. Like, you know, I'm going to be kind of your mentor. It was a definitely a weird moment with those two. But um, yeah, but it was like it's actually probably one of the stronger moments. It in was the powerful movie. for Stevie because he is just like, OK, then. All right. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes to earn your trust and be a part of your group, then let's do it. All right. I'll listen to you. Whatever you say. I won't apologize anymore. I mean, he, I guess he's like a really nice kid. So he's like, well, why? Why wouldn't I apologize? Yeah. And he's just trying to he's essentially at this point in his life. He's just trying to find somebody who can show him the way, show him the ropes. Right. And his brother is obviously doing a really bad job at it because he just wants nothing to do with his brother. It feels like. Yeah, I mean, like, and his brother is, he's just a dick, but, like, more than a normal older brother is to a younger sibling. Like, he is just, like, borderline just psychotic. Right. Well, I mean, you kind of see it later on, kind of why. I mean, his Stevie lays it out to him later on, like, you have no friends, like, you're just a fucking loser, like, I hate you, but, you know. And his brother or sister just starts crying like just in tears and it's kind of the psychology of it so we don't know what happened to their dad their dad's gone they're raised by a single mother and that probably is you know like 18 years old no father in his life no friends for whatever reason you know maybe his dad just didn't teach him you know you know my father figured he had to be social yeah. so he just kind of like took it out on his younger brother you know it's five years difference between them took it out on his younger brother and was just a little douche to him yeah but yeah I mean, he was still, like, over-the-top douche. I mean, he would, like, beat the shit yeah, out of like, him to bruises and stuff. I mean, yeah, I used to wrestle with my siblings, but we didn't just go full fight club on each other. Right. 
it's kind of funny because like something that did stick out in this movie is like his relationship with his Steve's relationship with his older brother kind of reminded me of, so I was an older brother growing up my brother was 10 years younger than me and it was kind of funny because part of the movie reminded me of our relationship a little bit like he'd go into my room and steal my CDs and run off with them and listen to them listen, you know one like either at school or work or something like that and then put them back as neatly as possible something that the brother did in this movie too so I for the most part had a pretty spick and span clean room and uh, Ian in the movie also did which was kind of funny it was like basically it wasn't so much that he was organized it was more like I can keep an eye on my brother and know if he touched anything kind of thing so I could totally relate to that. That was pretty funny. But I never ever beat the living shit out of my brother, though, like to where he was like bleeding and bruising like crazy. I mean, it was like pretty brutal. Like, so we, we mentioned earlier that he steals money from his mother. Later on, the mother confronts him like, hey, I got $80 missing out of my drawer. I know Ian was a part of it. Were you? He says you were, but were you? And Stevie is like, no. Nope. Didn't have anything to do with it. So later that night, his brother comes in his room with Steve sleeping and, and just like puts a pillow over his face. We can't scream and just starts beating the living tar out of him. Yeah. And that was, that was intense. It like, was very, there was some, I, yeah, Jonah Hill, I think, you know, he did really good. I, I heard he, um, seeked out, um, advice from like one of the Coen brothers and Martin Scorsese. And I think, you know, he definitely did some good good things here like he was able to what do I want to say um, what's the word I'm looking for kind of pull inspiration come across bring emotion across and it's like oh. you felt for the characters like and it felt real too it felt real yeah it didn't nothing felt cheesy at all like it all felt intense and real when it was supposed to feel intense and real that, that was so what was so good about it is and moments that were supposed to feel intense and real did moments that were supposed to be lighthearted and more like humorous at times felt felt that way like but naturally though yeah I thought, I thought he did good, like, and that's one thing I, you know, it's, you know I'm, I'm, always, I'm always happy to see, like, actors and people, like, go off and do, get behind the camera and things, whether they're writing something or directing, or in this case, both, and Jonah Hill, I thought he did great, I mean, I thought for a directorial debut, this was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of, it made me feel a lot more than I thought, I thought I was just going to go watch, like, some... Like, you know, coming-of-age movies can be kind of cheesy a lot of the time. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a sucker for coming-of-age movies. I love them. But it's just, it was so much more raw and real than I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, there's great moments in the movie. What are some of your favorite scenes that kind of stood, stood out? Um, well, I love the scene. Like, I mean, we, we kind of talked about, touched on this a little bit earlier, but when he was, I think, Ruben was the guy who ran the, or, like, worked in the skate shop, right? Yeah, he was the one with the shaved head, which is weird. So I looked him up. I'm like, I know this kid from somewhere. I looked him up. Nothing. This is all he's ever been in. And I'm like, but he is so familiar looking. Like, I don't know if I've like met this kid. And like, I feel I swear to God, I've met him somewhere. Like, this kid looks so familiar to me. But apparently, yeah, he's never been anything. So I'm like, where do I know him from? Like, what, does he live here in Portland? And I just don't know it. <laughs> it's really weird. Maybe it's just kind of like, it just seems like a kid that you would have known when you were his age. I don't know. But he, no, but, the, but this actual actor that looks so familiar to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I'm thinking about the guy with the dreadlocks. Ray. Ray, not Ruben. Oh, no, Ray. Ray. Well, which, Ray, which way? Ray is the, uh, 
He's yeah. Nick Hellsmith. The, the one of the okay, because the one with the uh, blonde red locks, that's fuck shit. Yeah, no, okay, so I'm thinking of uh, the actor Nick Smith who plays um, Ray. Ray, yeah. So, I mean, like, his, like, the standout moments for me are just like when he's talking to Stevie and just kind of like, he's the one pretty much showing him the roads, kind of like giving him, like, some serious life advice. You know, I like how, you know, Stevie, at one point, Stevie's talking to him about his home life and he's just like, oh, it's the worst. And then he just kind of lays it out for him, like, hey, you know that it's not perfect but and then he lays it out for him with all the other kids in the crew he's just like all of these kids have it so much worth i i I mean i think ray's brother is died and i know fourth grade i think his he's the one that's mom has like a drug problem yeah. So he kind of just like lays it out, kind of gives him real talk. He's like, yeah, that you know was, what? Like, it was a touching moment in the movie too. Because so what what happened before this scene is, I don't know. Are we in spoilers? I I, don't I, I, I would say just let's go spoilers now. I mean, we're probably we're not quite there, but it's gonna evolve in there pretty right. Quick. So before that scene, um, Stevie's mother, who is just frantic, like she you know she discovers her son has been smoking. Figures out he's been hanging out with these kids, goes into the skate shop, and, I mean, just tears these kids a new asshole. I mean, tears them a new asshole. Like, stay away from my son. Like, I better never catch you motherfuckers in front of my son again. Like, we're with my son ever again. Like, I know. she's She thinks, like, they all look like gang members. And, you know, that's, that's kind of like her thought. And I think she says that at one point, too. But it's kind of like one of those weird things that... You know, like she's like, oh, this these people aren't going to do my son any good. But then she's not looking inward to her own house where his brother is like giving him so much harder of a time than these kids yeah. are. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I can understand like you, your kid's 13. He's starting to smoke already. I mean, you're just like, what the hell? Like, obviously, he's been influenced by somebody. So, I mean, I'd be pretty upset, too, as a parent. Yeah. I mean, it's she not. Did, complete- she does, I would, And I give her props, too. She does a good job. She. I mean, she's ripped these kids a new asshole, like, big time. So I give her mad props. There's a great scene directly after that. They go back to the car, and Stevie just screams and just, like, tears into her, like, I hate you. These are my friends. What are you doing? And just, I mean, just screams her. Like, she tries to get some words, and he just keeps screaming at her. Like, it's just it's a crazy moment. Yeah. But then that leads to what Daniel was talking about a second ago, about he and Ray kind of had this moment. There's on, um, in the back skating court area where they their normal spot to hang out yeah and that's when ray just starts telling him like all the guys backstories so we as the audience kind of learning their backstory like you know like fourth grade's got the drug addict mom yeah i mean that was a per there's a good moment after that whole like escalation because at that point he's like thinking oh my mom like my mom's the worst my home life is the worst yeah. And so you, it's good because it kind of just like, it's still not perfect, but it puts it into a good perspective that Stevie can actually understand. Right. No, which is definitely something he needed to understand. I mean, at 13, I mean, this is a lot to take in for a 13 year old. I mean, there, there's still, we haven't even talked about a party scene yet that happened in the movie. I mean, a lot happens with 13 year old. I guess the movie takes place about over a couple months, probably. Well, it's over the summer. Yeah. Over so the summer. about two, three months. Yeah. I mean, a lot happens. I mean, he experiences quite a bit going into the summer. And there's a party scene that happens where there is a, you know, him a moment with him and a girl alone. And I mean, that's kind of a huge moment in his life, too, especially. I mean, he's never touched a girl before, obviously. So he's just like, oh, my gosh. Oh my he's gosh. having his, like, uh, sexual awakening, essentially. Essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. So I read on Rotten Tomatoes, some critics were saying, like, oh, they just threw that in there just to 
have it for the sake of a sex scene. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I mean, I really think a lot of the Steve, you see more of the Stevie character in this. I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, essentially, like I wouldn't say like they put it in just to have it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't well, like a super long like portion of the scene, but it's just like it's a real thing. It, like it's a thirteen year old like kind of like it shows him like it shows how like how nervous he is and yeah, how, like, I mean it makes him more relatable to the audience. I mean, what it kind of reminded me of the uh, almost rape scene that happened in eighth grade with uh, the gal you know in the back seat of the car and that one kid like, hey, give me a blowjob, come on, do it now. Like you're gonna go off to college and. Don't you want to be good at it? Come on. But anyway, so it's it's him and a gal, Stevie, and you know, you just you just you feel for him like, ah, I know what it was like to be thirteen or even, you know, just in high school in general and like And to be fair, Stevie Stevie got farther than I probably would have at that age. I probably would just like froze be like, uh Yeah, I mean (laughs) you could feel his nervousness, which I thought was really nice. I hands hats off to the uh, actor and director for that. You can feel his I mean, he's really nervous. I mean, this girl's what is she, like sixteen probably? Yeah, she's probably like years older than him. Yeah. More developed little further along than him at that age and yeah i mean he's as far as we can tell has never even kissed a girl at this point they're full-on making out and he's just he's loving every minute of it at the same time he's like just like scared as hell scared as hell (laughs) the whole time and if that's not relatable i don't know right so but yeah it was definitely you know they didn't actually have sex either i mean they just kind of made out and touched a little bit but that was about it but it was definitely a, I, I would say, a defining moment for the character, which I thought was important to have in the movie. You know, and I guess it was an R-rated movie, but they didn't still didn't like you know show um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what is it? What do you call that nudity type? Uh, partial? No. No. Nudity for the sake of nudity. Oh, or, just yeah, just have it in there for the word? sake of just having it in there. I don't, I don't remember. There's a word for it, people. I we'll, swear. We'll figure out. And that's the things like. This movie doesn't actually glorify any of these kids. Like, they don't glorify anything that they're doing. It's just presented as, like, real struggles of... Yeah, this isn't like an ad for Camel saying, yeah, smoking's cool. Yeah, no. Like, that's something they'd written down. Like, the movie doesn't glorify the kids, and it's it just kind of... I mean, essentially, yeah, it just shows the struggles of being an adolescent from, like... Uh, given into like peer pressure like starting to smoke and drink to like the the scary fact of like sex funny funny saying this goes to the smoking part is that he kept a backpack in his backyard so steve would come home after hanging out with his friends he had a change of clothes he'd like take an air freshener and like spray it around his body essentially whatever like pre-act stuff yeah and change his shirt and he had mouthwash and everything in this backpack too so he would get rid of the cigarette scent that's pretty great that sounds Did like that a few times yeah I mean there's some good fun moments in this movie that kind of remind me of me and my kids when, or me and my kids me and my friends when we were that age junior high high school I mean peeing outside things like that <laughs> I, mean, I mean that was kind of a funny scene too he asked I think was it Ruben who's like where's the restroom like right here they literally like they turn their backs to the camera and just start peeing right there now granted my friends and I would at least especially in the daylight we'd go find a, a tree or a bush to hide behind you know we would just like right there in the middle of the parking lot kind of do it but yeah we had a little more decency yeah, a little bit a little bit there was a funny part too this actually got the 
audience erupting a little bit when he comes home at night and right in front of a sliding glass window he just like starts peeing right there in a bush yeah that was great that actually got the whole audience all, all five of us laughing yeah i'm just i'm trying to think of some other moments that stuck out in this i guess uh we talk about the end a little bit so the boys get a little wasted one day at the park and they're gonna go driving yeah I, that was making me nervous because like they kind of lean on because like at first, everybody's like, nah, we're not getting the car with you. Because, like, fuck shit. It's like, come on, let's drive. I'm going to drive you. And they're like, nah. It's like, come on. And I was kind of feeling like, maybe hours have gone by and he's feeling fine now. Or he's still, like, drunk as fuck. No, he's still definitely super drunk. And even, like, I think they, they start heading to, like, this... Like, he's trying to convince them to go to a party in his car. And he's already... They're all... He's definitely drunk already. They're, yeah, they've been basically yeah drinking all day. And they're like, you know what? We just want to go home. We're exhausted. Let's just go home. And he's like, insist on the party. Next thing you know, car's upside down. Or at least on its side. And yeah. We, next thing we know, Stevie's in the hospital on life support for a little bit. Um, yeah, that was actually a very good moment, too. Um, his mother, obviously, just all broken up about it. She goes out to the lobby, though, and sees all his friends sitting there sleeping, waiting for him to come out of surgery, which was, that was kind of a cool moment for her, because although she probably still doesn't trust these kids, she still sees, like, they care about my son, at least. Yeah. I saw that, like, okay, they're still little a-holes, they get into trouble, they drink and smoke, but at least they care for my son. Yeah, I mean, like, she she realized that if they didn't care at all, like, then they all would have ditched the car. Yeah. And just, like, left him there. Well, but, and I thought, this is, like, halfway through the film, they're on a roof jumping. I totally thought, so, they're jumping this, like, um, opening in the roof, and Stevie's next. He's going down, and he hasn't mastered the jumping at all yet, so I knew something was going to happen. I definitely knew it because, like, when he was going down, too, he has barely any speed. So I'm like, oh, that kid doesn't even have momentum. He's going to definitely go down. And he did. He crash lands onto a picnic table down below. (laughs) And I thought for sure they were all just going to leave. Like, oh, crap, let's get out of here. And no, they went and helped them out, which was good. I mean, that's what friends should do. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so, I mean, I guess back at the, like, after the car crash, you know, like, he does come out of... Like his, like he was knocked unconscious. I don't really know if they actually say like he's in a coma, but he was unconscious for a little bit, but he comes to it. And, you know, his mom comes to the hospital and sees everybody just in the lobby waiting for him. Yeah. So, that was, and there's a good moment too in the end. So, this is how the, the movie ends with them in the hospital talking to Stevie. And the final ending of it is all throughout the, all throughout the movie you see the kid they call fourth grade he's always got a video camera in his hand recording all them doing their stuff their tricks they're hanging out he's just got the camera on him all times he shows the video that he put together and edited of them doing of their stuff and they show that for the last like two minutes of the movie which is pretty cool then it cuts the credits so yeah I, um i'm trying to think here some closing thoughts here before we i guess you just want to go into grades now i mean we've kind of talked about it a little bit obviously good I would say support this movie. It's only, you know, it's only done, it was opening weekend, it did 2.9 for a wide opening weekend, but it's, you know, it's only at 4.2, which I don't know what the budget is. It wasn't available. Pretty low, but still. I would say get out there and support it, though. It's definitely a worthy of seeing movie. I th- I think so, too. Like, it's definitely something that you don't want to miss. Yeah, is it for everybody? No, probably not. I, I don't know, is it? I don't 
I, I would say this movie maybe isn't for everybody. I think... There's a, there's a lot of teenagers, foul language, drug use. Yeah, and there's also language that, you know, people, like, obviously it's kind of frowned upon, but these are kids, so I kind of, like, I give them a couple graces because, I mean... Jonah Hill tried to make it authentic, and you know what? You might say, like, well, you didn't need the language, but that's how kids talked. And I'm not saying, like, that's right or wrong. It's just it is what it is. To pretend like it wasn't the way it is or or the way it was, that would just be less authentic. No. I mean, it's like trying to go back and change John Hughes movies in the 80s. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, and again, I'll touch on the point is this movie doesn't glorify these kids. It doesn't glorify the language. It doesn't glorify anything that they do. It just shows the struggle. Right. I mean, you're essentially, yeah, you're seeing the world a 13-year-old's eyes, Stevie's eyes. Exactly. And that's just the world that he sees. So, yeah, agree with it or not. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised because, like, when I went and saw in the theater, so this elderly couple probably in the mid 60s came and sat down next to me and i'm just like i'm thinking to myself like what are you doing here like i got a feeling you're not gonna like this at all and then i'm like hmm maybe they thought when it said mid 90s that it actually meant elderly people in their mid 90s (laughs) yeah maybe not not 1990s but they seemed cool that they laughed at all the right parts that i felt like they yeah they stayed for the whole thing i thought for sure i'm like man i I give it halfway through and they're gonna be gone halfway through especially when you know when the movie starts ramping up and their language all the kids foul language i'm like they are gonna be out of here by halfway through nope stayed till the whole thing yeah well that's incredible and i just want to say thank you jonah hill 84 minutes that's awesome didn't need to be any longer than that no. What you captured was perfect. There's no way this needed to be a 120-minute, two-hour movie. 84 minutes was perfect, so thank you for that, Jonah Hill. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this is a closing thought. Just a couple of cool things that I don't think we touched on yet. Sure. Is, uh, one's like how the movie was shot. It looks like it was like made in the 90s. Like Some shots were grainy and... It was shot with, uh, what's it called? I think it's a four by three ratio. Four three ratio, yes. Yeah. It was shot, well, it was shot entirely on 16 millimeter film, the whole thing. Okay. Which is pretty cool. But the presentation was four by three. Yeah, what, what'd you think? We haven't touched on this shit. What'd you think of the soundtrack? I was actually surprised. I mean, they didn't go for the songs that I thought they'd go for because there's some obvious songs like the 90s grunge movement like there's some yeah, obvious choices for get, songs I thought we definitely had more grunge like Pearl Jam Alice in Chains we did have one Nirvana song yeah well also but when you think about it in retrospect I mean these these kids are growing up from Los Angeles so hip hop is huge in the 90s in Gangster Los rap, Angeles yeah. exactly so they had a lot more like hip hop but they did have some rock in there they did have one Nirvana song um so the, the soundtrack wasn't what I expected. And I actually hardly knew any of the songs that were on the soundtrack, but it was still fit so well with the setting, especially in Los Angeles. It, it's a long soundtrack, too. Like, it's like, I don't know, like 20 songs or something long. Like, throughout most of the 84 minutes, it's always music playing in the background of some kind. There's very little score. Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the score, but there's I looked it up on Spotify, and there's only four tracks to the whole score of the movie. So yeah, a lot of it is just soundtrack with all the songs, and yeah, a lot of it is gangster rap. A couple rock songs mixed in, but yeah, I thought I thought for the, what the movie was, it, it was uh, pretty solid to have that in the background. Yeah, definitely. Uh, why don't we give our overall thoughts and grade this out? 
All right. Well, um, honestly, from a non 90s kid, for the most part, um, I really enjoyed this. While I didn't get the nostalgia feel, it's definitely doesn't rely on nostalgia to make this movie effective and enjoyable. And honestly, like I really enjoyed myself. And I think this is going to be like a must own for me when this comes out. Hopefully I can grab it for Christmas. So uh, I would say for me, that's just like a straight uh, A plus. It was great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, again, as I mentioned this before, like halfway through, I was almost checked out. But part, part of it was like, gosh, these kids are just assholes. Like, why do I want to sit here and watch these assholes? Like, are they just their language is horrible. All they just want to drink and smoke and skate. Like, why do I want to watch this? But then again, I realized that it was the director due to his, you know, writing and directing. He was pulling me in. He was making me emotional about this. And yes, I didn't hang out with that kind of kids growing up, but it was still a lot of parts that were relatable, like especially with Stevie and his older brother, a lot of things like that that were very relatable. And yeah, by the end of it, I was sold. I was on board again, sold. And yeah, so I'm definitely have to say a solid A for me. Yeah. So not quite as high as you, but it's definitely rewatchable for sure. Just don't watch it with your parents? No, definitely not. Unless they're cool. <laughs> unless they're cool. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I mean, and again, like you said, the movie doesn't rely on nostalgia whatsoever. I mean, the most nostalgia we see really is just um, Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo <laughs> and an, or, an original PlayStation. And CDs too. So, but yeah, there's not really, again, the movie doesn't rely on that to get you, the viewer, engaged. It just happens to be in it. So yeah, definitely, again, solid a for me sounds like a plus for you yeah so yeah i guess why don't we wrap this up and uh we'll get out of here any final thoughts um you know what you know you heard my thoughts a plus but i think the reason i'm just gonna put one more thing on top of that is it's a timeless movie doesn't matter if it takes place in the 90s because it's all about like adolescent struggles and like it's about friendship that's essentially all it's about struggles and friendship yep so you know that's it was great i loved it so all right well yeah why don't you tell us or tell them our audience where they can find us all right well you can find us on instagram and twitter on movies underscore brews and you can listen to us on podbean itunes spotify and google play we're essentially everywhere you could think of so yeah, go I mean, check it out we're even on the uh, pocket cast app that i've got on my phone here and yeah so i basically we're all over now so check us out give us a five-star review those definitely help and yeah if you give us a five-star review we'll read it on the podcast yeah we'll give it, you a shout out yeah just uh let us know what you think and uh you know hit us up on twitter or instagram and let us know what movies you want to hear all right well that's all the time we have for today we'll see you next time on movies and brews all right. cheers cheers Cheers.